We just had a very interesting interview with a special guest, Stephen Gillen, who is a uh, former organized crime boss and... From the a, UK. From the United Kingdom. Spent a lot of time in the high security prisons in England. He was what they call a Category A offender who was extremely high risk in, uh, in jails. And he's a man who made a incredible transformation uh, from his organized crime roots, from being one of the most dangerous and notorious inmates, to now a humanitarian, working with youth and people involved with crime. He's an author. He's got a book called The Monkey Puzzle Tree, which is really intriguing, actually. And so we talked to him about, about his journey, his experience, and his ideas on what does or doesn't work in the criminal justice system. And... Uh, and uh, what it is he's trying to do to make the world a better place. He has a, uh, a foundation coming out, the Stephen Gillen Foundation, working with youth, at-risk families. And it's very interesting because it gives an insight from when he was a young boy uh, from Belfast, uh, transitioning to England in the foster care system, all the way through his unfortunate involvement in crime. And it's an extremely interesting journey, which feeds into our discussions about how we deal with people in the criminal justice system. So I think this is a great podcast that we had. We were very, very lucky to have him Some and really have great his insights. Insight. Yeah, yeah, just just incredible. So really, we hope you watch and enjoy, and thank you, and thank you to Stephen. Really wonderful uh, interview. We're joined tonight with a very special guest, a man who has made an immense transformative journey from life of organized crime to one of England's most dangerous and notorious inmates, to a humanitarian, working with youth and people involved in the life of crime, with great talent as a motivational speaker, a businessman, and a philanthropist, Mr. Stephen Gillen. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Joseph. Thanks, Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You're also an author. Yeah. One of the books we're going to talk about today the Monkey Puzzle Tree, which is going to factor in our discussion tonight. You're an entrepreneur. You've recently won a philanthropic award for commitment to stopping violence. But most importantly in our minds tonight for what we're going to talk about is your humanitarian work and your work with youth. So I want to just start off with one quote from your book, which really struck Diana and I. And it's quite interesting, actually. And the great monkey puzzle tree stood tall and strong and resilient in the light of the fine morning. It was said that they were magical, that they come from a faraway land that no one had ever visited or found, that the gods and their great wisdom knew a place that was in dire need of their magic and their strength in their courageous ways, so they were brought to us here to help and to watch and to add their magic to the soil of the land. It is said that they can live to be a thousand years old, and still be strong, that they are a beacon of hope wherever they live, and that they can see and hear all people, places and things. But what is even more extraordinary is their unique way of knowing special people with special gifts like themselves, and at special times and on magical occasions. So I love that, and I just want to ask you a question. Spirituality. Yeah. It played an interesting role for you as a young youth in Belfast during a very tumultuous time in the early 70s, and also your time in England when you were nine years of age, having to live in the foster care system. And I'm curious about, as we just start to talk about things, 
how maybe spirituality gave you strength to come through what your ordeal was in jail, to look back and reflect on your history as to what brought you there and become the person you are now. How did this play a role? I'm just curious what strength it gave you. I think spirituality for me is certainly that unquenchable well, Joseph, that I, you know, I certainly went to when, when I was at the lowest of the low, the deepest of the, the darkest place of humanity, you know, I'm talking about mentally, emotionally, physically, uh, redundant, but this well is always there, you know, this uh, uh, for us. And it's, uh, it's very profound um, because I, you know, I can remember, you know, there was times, uh, especially at the start, you know, there was a time I thought, I can't do this. You know, I actually can't go through this. You know, I'll do the Roman thing. I'll fall on my sword. This, this seems right. to be an honorable way out. You know, and I was, you know, I was getting there with that. And I couldn't see uh, 12, 13 years ahead of me what I would be like if I would even survive that. So I was really in a terrible place. But then there would be this voice that would say to me in the worst of times, you have to go through this. That, you know, to speak to us, well, you know, what does that mean? I, but why would I have to go through this living hell? Of course, it doesn't speak like that. This is a very succinct, concise, it doesn't, but, you know, uh, with hindsight, you know, and this is not my voice. We know when there's a more internal voice that speaks in that way, directional way, the spiritual way that's guiding us. So it was that, it was that voice, you know, with that resonance. And a few times at the worst times, you know, it would guide me. I mean, I would go on to have further experiences, you know, mm -hmm. that were even more profound, but just in a way to let me know that, yeah, you know, what you're thinking and what you is right. So, you know, this is a way that you should be going. But it's very subtly done because it's for us to open the book and to reveal what we should be doing not the other way around just you know because in reading you know the book the monkey puzzle tree that you wrote and i know there's another book that you've written which is very interesting um the uh injustice love and honor but you know diane and i have read this book now and it, it's been very interesting and i saw this theme of some spirituality which i think resonated with me and gave some strength and and i think what you talk about being in a dark place and something we want to focus on certainly from our perspective in this podcast is about your experience in the criminal justice system. And maybe you can give us a bit of background and then talk a little bit about your experience in the justice system and in the prison system and then relate that to how you are helping people now and what we can do better because it has had a are profound there, impact. Are there things that work and things that don't work or is it all completely broken? And You experienced you, awful stuff. Do you think you know? that um, you know people going to jail you know, puts them on a continuous path to continue because a lot of people say that is like you can go to jail if you say you're wrongfully convicted you'll come out a, a convict because the experience actually does nothing to for recidivism to does nothing to reform people what's your experience with that uh, well i would say first just to just to uh to give some backstory i i went to prison first at 14 years of age 10 days after my 14th birthday 
because I was kind of on a uh, such a trail of recidivism even then that they, of course, put it back so they could give me a short, sharp shock, as it was called then. At 14 years of age. At 14 years of age. 10 days after my fourth. I mean, I have, to, you know, chill, I have three children. You know, I was a child then, right? But that was the start of it. So, but then I went in and out, and I, you know, I was a real rebel, you know, even then, really, it has to be said. So I was... I responded very badly to that, really. Now, looking, it was more survival mechanism. In jail. In jail. But I was seen as disruptive, the one that they couldn't control. So I'd be moved a lot, you know, even as a youth. So... Yeah, so this is a great point. So to, to give some, some context to this, at age nine, after you were moved from Belfast, when your aunt passed away, tragically, from cancer, you were put into the foster care system in England. Yeah. which you talk a lot about, which is really insightful, about how it groomed you almost into criminal activity. Can you talk about that and then translate that to your experience in the prison system? I mean, it's very, I think, I think a very pivotal point here is, you know, and I really lived that, you know, I was seen as one of the most dangerous prisoners um, all over the press. I was a category inmate. I was released a category inmate, the most notorious, the worst of the worst. You know, so we can we can claim all that because it's true. But, you know, when we're going back, when we're going back, you know, and I'm looking at the nine-year-old uh, child. Nine-year-old Stephen. Nine-year-old Stephen. You know, there's a lot that people can say, oh, are these people bad? Are they mad and all that? For me, I say, no, this is not the thing. It's that I had the, the strength, uh, the intervention, certainly, the timing, the circumstances to find my way back to myself. Because how I started was, you know, it was a religious family. It was in the middle of a war zone. In Belfast. Was, yeah, in Belfast. Yeah. You know, uh, I was born in 71. This was really when You're they were so young. there. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, you look very young. Great hair. No, but this was a time of, you yeah, know, when it was really hitting it there, yeah, yeah. right? And, um, you know, I was the child who used to, you know, be in the upstairs bedroom looking at all the other children playing and, thinking they're having a great time I wasn't allowed out because of the trouble outside so you know you know it was that kind of upbringing and uh, so you know my formative years were around kind wonderful people which is a you know important point and, that, and that's where the monkey tree was right it was in that yeah the monkey puzzle sort of magical tree is, backyard yeah it was in the backyard because uh, that's the other point because I was so restrained and I wasn't you know and they were so worried about the trouble outside the door for obvious reasons you know the back garden was the world right you know and that tree they tell the stories about the tree I mean I didn't know what to think about the tree I was half scared of it half the time <laughs> but it was so memorable yeah. it was so memorable to the times you know and it translated so much and um you know, I've carried that as well. But that's the point. And, you know, what I ended up with, Joseph, even though I, you know, I carried the trauma, I carved that burning trail, you know, of recidivism, all the all the problems, all the, you know, all the terrible things that that brung with it. I ended up in a place where I knew that I was actually groomed, molded, built into a person that I was never meant to be in the first place. So let's break that down for a second, because you raise some interesting issues in all the podcasts that we've watched about you and in reading your book that, you know, really you pinpoint at age nine when you're yanked out of the supportive environment you had. 
into England into the foster care system and you were an anxious young boy yeah. and then into a completely foreign environment where really you're at a loss. You're searching for some group of support, some identity. And unfortunately, you wind up with people who are escaping from these foster homes, who are engaged in criminal activity, and it's almost predisposed. And that was really a crucible of what started you on that path. And that's an interesting insight that you have. It's very true because, you know, I mean, now on the other side of it, you know, one of the things I say in the office is, look, you know, we position ourselves for success. Right. Uh, don't be surprised that we get it. You know, uh, you know, obviously it depends on which success you know, we're you're looking the at. Work and we're doing, focusing what we should be doing to yeah. make that happen. But, you know, what, what happens in these instances, and it doesn't really matter what culture you are or where you come from, when you're shaped and positioned for something else, it's very detrimental to what comes next. I mean, this is a no-brainer, Joseph, really. And this is where one of the, a lot of the pivotal problems begin. And, and I'm sorry, just one sec. So one of the things you identified, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later because we want to go through this in a chronological order, but one of the brilliant things you, you pinpointed, which you're advocating, you're talking about, is identifying youth or children at risk at an early age and families at risk and how to nub this in the start before it gets further along. And, and this is really sort of the area you're looking at, which I think is extremely important. One Absolutely, of the things that yeah. struck me is that it seemed like when you're always in those dark places, including uh, an anecdote about being locked in the boiler room of the foster mm -hmm. home, yeah. that's when you would turn to the tree, which to me is like, you know, the, the sense of roots and you having not really a good sense of roots. And, and I think that's one of the things too that, you know, I've, I've come across some, I, I think really, sage comments on what people need which is you need to feel like a person of worth in a world of meaning mm. and how you managed to get that sense of worth was it was minimal what was available to you mm. and of course the it has to come from other people and so there's quite a point there you make because uh, the disempowerment of you know people yeah. is a is a is a real uh, catalyst for this i mean i certainly felt for many years that it, it was engineered in a way by you know what I had to go through and you know and all that stuff people places and things that 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 are you know I was apart from not a part of and I really you know take that now today to see this is one of the you know the real line in the sand kind of moments of where people cross over into something else you now because of you know as human beings we have intrinsic needs you know we need, you know yes we want to be light but we need to be you know uh, loved useful this kind of you know internal yeah. drivers once once these are all scrambled and then you know you're into something else immediately that's for sure so you know, if you have a you know, if you have a template that's setting you up for something, why would society think they're they're going to get a different result? So you know, it's about it's about pulling it back a little bit, you know, and getting the into because we're very susceptible, Joseph, to so mm -hmm. much human beings. Well, that's the simple in the prison simple uh, way be, of it. The prison system is essentially dehumanizing. Yes, and it's uh, look one of the things. One of the things that I certainly see about the British um, judicial system, penal system, and I really went all the way through it from a fourteen-year-old kid yeah. right the way up. You know, I was from a youth. Yeah. yeah, from a you know, you know, the whole bit. Um, uh, you know, as a high-risk category inmate, which you know really is the end of it. So these are prisons within prisons, special units, and all that. It's there's no. Um, there's nothing in there that compels people and gives them the right bridge 
and opportunities that they have a chance of finding their way back to themselves or being useful to society or stepping into their own light. You know, and you make a good point about this being disempowered or feeling worthless. I mean, how can you really work with that? And then you're in a dark place like that. These are not fertile seeds for something better, you know, are they? And um, another thing that I definitely see, you know, in prisons is a lot of people are misdiagnosed. They're Excellent point. They're yeah. thrown in there. I mean, look, let me just say, some people need to be in prison. But these are a small number, you know, and, you know, they do. There has to be some kind of way to protect, uh, protect society where they could have also a chance to get, you know, the kind of process that they need, right? But everyone is thrown in there. You know, you've got people in there with mental health issues. And they shouldn't be in there. You know, this muddies the whole you know the whole thing and then you have people where maybe they've just made a mistake you know they've made a mistake but they're put into this university of crime yes now they're trapped with there. now someone who you know in many instances could have really been anything that they wanted to be i mean we know this now they're they're really limited and now they're you know even bound to a different fate. Indoctrinated almost into a criminal to a line. Different, to a I different watched, because uh, you, you have a really great YouTube channel that you operate as well. And I was watching one video where you were talking about um, your reactions to various films and so on. Yeah. And there was an interesting moment when you were talking about the Shawshank Redemption and one of the characters is released from jail and he can't handle it because he has nothing in the outside world. He's built up an ability to survive inside, but then once he leaves, what was what's it like to to try and reintegrate? And do you get help with that? Well, you know, I can only speak for myself, but it's a lot broader than that because I have a real experience of this, so I can draw from many other many many other cases here. Or, yeah, and we can help ilk. with that. <laughs> yeah, of the same milk, but you know, for me, so if you're talking about long-term imprisonment, we say five years and over. Um, then you're talking about the institutional life elements. There's a different way that it's going to affect, you know, people, right? So for me, in the big sense, for instance, I mean, I have to say it took me a good three, four years yeah. till that actually struck home. Now, that's a long time. You wouldn't think that. And then, you know, something really strange can happen in the sense that what I realise, and I tell people this is, you know, as human beings, you know, we have to regulate ourselves. So, you know, if you're living on memories, of course, you're in a very traumatic place. You think of good things, you know, to regulate yourself, to make you feel better about things so you can survive. But what you find on a, a really long sentence like that is after four years, you suddenly realize, well, I haven't made any uh, notable memories that are healthy. This is a very painful, really strange place to be. It, this is a really good point that you raise. And, and you had, you know, what's so interesting about your story and your insight is from a young boy at age nine who was an anxious young child to the foster care system that really was horrible for you. And, and frankly, for a lot of children in that environment, then going into jail as a youth and then as an adult and then being a... Uh, that category A offender, you had so much pressure on you from a system that didn't want to help but hurt. And, and, and I really want your insight on that because we fight against harsher sentences. Yeah. We think harsher sentences don't work. We need 
inmate-focused policies, a progressive way to help people. And you have such great insight from start, from such a young age, all the way to, to really achieving this transformation, which is amazing. So help us with that a little bit, because it's a long journey and... It is, you know, and there's not no... You know, what I, one of the problems is kind of, as it progresses, this kind of thing with human beings, because of how individual they are, they may need more of a bespoke kind of support system, because this is not right. even tackled at all. Not everybody's all created equal. Them in there. If it right. works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And, you know, we don't really care. You know, this is, this is one of the problems, and it's just not engineered to help people step into their, you know, their full life. There are lots of different drivers for that. And of course, there's the people who throw stones and, you know, that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But if we're looking for something that really, um, really helps this problem and makes it better, so there, you know, therefore that would be more abundant for society, more healthy for society, more healthy for families, you know, and that would try, you know, that would go out and there would be, you know, the more energy, healing energy of making things better. Not to mention, everyone would save a ton of money if this is the thing that everyone's, yeah, so, you know, going to shout about. So you raise an excellent point. So what you're talking about is that, you know, really there's a, a rarefied amount of offenders who really need jail. Yeah. And then there's a lot of people who are either misguided had a, had you know mishaps in their life or have mental health issues and we need to have a much more uh you know humane and progressive way of dealing with them to help them become not offenders to integrate into society and treat them better and help families and that's something you're 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 really trying to advocate about right absolutely joseph i mean you've just said it there really really succinctly but look i'll give you an instance there was a charity i was working with in in the uk and there was actually two prison officers okay who had worked years and years and years they thought wow you know i've seen so much of this and we can do much better now even the government uh, you know in the uk really started funding them with a lot of money just lately now because what they was doing was actually really having an impact and where they was intervening was there was you know especially with the people who was first time offenders or that made a mistake or you know they was just starting their kind of journey within within the judicial system they was getting them at the other end and they were staying with them for two years they was working with a lot of companies and and they was getting them the jobs but they was giving them the support but they was actually walking with them for the two years to give them a chance so it was a tailored approach with sort themselves out right yeah and this was really working because it has to be more more sustained right you see what they do is you know they hit you with a stick all right you know you don't then then you go back or whatever i mean as we know this 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 is not the best approach it doesn't work with it it certainly doesn't bear fruit but you know we have the evidence in this model that this is really working you know to the point that the government was saying especially with open prisons joseph yeah they was really coming in you know in their troves and saying hey you know you've we've, we've hit something here with this because you know the figures are changing now the numbers are changing with this so there's evidence of of a better way that's just one instance it's extremely important so what you're talking about is having a dedicated team working with offenders hmm. to go through a two-year process or maybe even more if necessary yeah. to help them through the issues that they have and get them integrated into society we don't do that 
And and that's 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 very progressive, and you're advocating for that, which is wonderful. And it's the employment issue as well that we see here, yeah. because we have to live. And of course, one of the problems yes, here of reoffending, well, you know, yeah. we have to live. You know, you know, we have to have a purpose as well, Joseph. We have to have a direction where we can see something, a goal, and say, hey, I'm doing this because, you know, I feel good about doing this because, right? Yeah. So, you know, all the all these drivers. So, you know, the employment part of it was really really um integral right and uh but the support because there's there's teething problems because of the institutional element you know it has to be said and the programming and the trauma right that you're bringing as a you know an outlaw or an outcast or disempowered again we're back to the disempowered piece so so this you know, was opening up a, a a much better thing, and I, you know, was really heartened by that. So, so this is working. That's just one way forward. So, this is a great, great point that you're making. That when not all offenders are created equal, so some people will travel through life and be groomed for this, and wind up in this life of crime. And you had been involved in organized crime, and and to a certain extent was a boss of crime, but you were groomed for it. You were you were predestined to it because of your experiences where you didn't have the support network that you needed and then you were able to achieve this on your own but other people don't have that ability and so what you're advocating for is that we need to put more resources into working with these people to give them success get them employment get them education get them mental health services and that was lacking so much when you were a youth and and first indoctrinated into the system Look, you know, the and evidence is there. we have that here there. now still. Yeah, and, you know, we have to focus on this. Because there's other, there's other parts of this as well. In a humane, progressive, developing society that needs yes. to keep elevating, where are we really at with this thing? You know, I mean, you know, you need to be leading ahead of, not the where we are now, but where do we need to be and where are we going? Is right. A, is, a better, is a better answer. As you a know, society. As a society, you know, and, you know, as it's flourishing. And, um, you know, another thing that I would say that's important, right, you know, and this, you know, I'm living proof of this as well, is, is that, look, human beings are human beings. People are people as well. We know that, right? Mm. You set up for whatever, then there's a good chance so-and-so will happen or uh, will exhibit. But... You know, I've met so many talented people. Mm -hmm. They could have been anything that they wanted. In jail. You know, they could have picked a vocation. They could have picked something. They could have really flew it. They could have been, you know. You, but through that, this is why with the Stephen Gillen Foundation, one of the things that saved my life certainly was entrepreneurship. Talk to me about the foundation. What do you want to achieve with the Stephen Gillen Foundation? This is really important. There was three, three things we really looked at, um, root causes, Joseph. One was about the family unit, you know, for obvious reasons, because of the dynamics of Very that. Very important. It's absolutely key. To get that foundational stuff in a kind of an order, because we know that it would flourish better if we do that. You know, and there are many, many ways and reasons and approaches to, you know, kind of help there with that, obviously. You know, the other thing was kind of coming in to, you know, with the youth, really, with the programming and the issues of, you know, where they glamorize this crime, they think it's, 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 it's good or it's cool or it's tough. Yeah. I mean, this is nonsense, right? right? But for children like that, with the role models that, they don't see that. You know, we can't get the messaging in. Right, you know, so another way was to target the messaging there to, you know, to change that. How do you get that. to them? 
Well, you know, Diana has an interesting question. Hang on, hold on for this one. <laughs> Just like when you were a youth and going starting down that path, would mm. you have listened to you? Absolutely not. You know, but going going yeah. a bit further on that, if someone like me had turned up, you know, you know, wasn't stupid and said, "Wow, you know, this is quite a person. You know, it's quite a presence." You know, people kind of it. takes one to know one. That has a different resonance completely. Mm-hmm. It uh, interrupts this process, right? You, know? you talked a fair bit about having this burning anger in you when you were younger too, though. Do you think that gets in the way of people actually receiving the message? That's a really, really good point. For me, it certainly did. But this is why we go back to the foundational stuff of the family. Right. Because the answers for that lay there. You try and get in at the first level where this starts. Yeah, because this is where, you know, people get unsettled and they, 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 you know, and this stuff starts to exhibit, right? I think anger gets a a little bit too harsh of a a name too, because anger can actually be useful. You can take that energy and that rage and turn it to something productive like entrepreneurship, right? If you have the right guidance and and, and you need the right guidance. It's a double-edged sword. We get angry at the direction of the law sometimes, right? And we use that to channel channel some sort of positive change. So it can be useful. Yeah, but you know what you're doing. You know, if you think they have matured into that, they don't know how that how that energy works, yeah. Are you finding with the foundation that you've got the right support from government? Um, because they need to be a partner in this. We do. It's it's kind of a game, isn't it? You know, it's a game of timing and positioning, you know, and uh, layering the work usually. But, um, yeah, and it's about the right approach, certainly, to government. But we kind of look to, to to find more momentum in other areas knowing that that will lead there anyway this seems to work right you know with them guys so you, you know you're trying to do it at a community level with business involvement and we get more of a momentum right. you know we can put some uh lift media lift under that and maybe get yeah, a bit of pressure more of a on positioning government. to to show what we're doing um to you know you know to put some facts behind it and uh you know and stuff like that this this is the best way but the other the other thing i'd say about entrepreneurship and this is that you know it's really really important because if it's like a three-pronged kind of solution based based thing here is entrepreneurship you know it saved my life joseph it certainly did talk about that a bit well you know it really did you know and you know it goes um more kind of in depth so you're saying about this anger that people carry with trauma and all this is where does this go this energy how do we how do we package this in a better way where it's not so detrimental to everything it touches Mm -hmm. i mean it took me a long time to get there with this but the end result you got there was was um, entrepreneurship and what I love about entrepreneurship in a really simple way is is it develops you as a human being it forges you and if you can become good at it then other people benefit and they get the chance to stand up and and do the same thing you know to look after their families to you know to step into their full light you know to learn to learn to be taxpayers to learn to be responsible people who can care for the people underneath them and stand on their own and stand on their own two feet and you you made an interesting point i think about you know when you hire staff you know it's a good thing for you and it's a good for thing for them because then they can support their families and there's an intrinsic wonderful value about that and that's what you're trying to do through your foundation and through your motivational speaking and everything else about how to build upon this 
the le- you know, and it's the learning. You see, one thing I hold, you know, and it's a beautiful thing as well, but, you know, I like to keep it as simple as possible, really, is for me, one of the things I always say is, you know, is the learning, to always be open for the learning, yes. you know, and to extend the bandwidth. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, that, yeah. that can be tough for some people, right? You know, we know so much, but really, what do you know? Might only know that, right? It so takes us a long thing. time to realize. That. Yeah, and these things, like for me, you know, have been um, extremely important for me to keep elevating into the person I need to be. Can so, I, can I so, ask you one, one question, and I'm curious about this, because you've achieved a lot now and have done a lot of great work since, you know, your release from prison and, and going through this transformation. When you look back at, at the history that you've gone through, it's taught you a lot, has it not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in some way, yeah, it's something you might not want to have lived, but it made you who you are now and how you can contribute now to other people's, you know, to families, to society, and, and, and to give back. So it's an interesting dynamic. You know, it's something that may have been extremely difficult and you regret, but it's given you a wealth of knowledge, has it not? Yeah. I mean, I'm laughing in a way because I've had a heap of problems with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But it's... Look, it's a double-edged sword, but... It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. But, you know, it's the migration of a human being, all right? Is the, Your is growth. The thing. Yeah, you know, we're all on a journey here. Let's put it into a perspective. One of the things it's taught me, and it's, you know, it's really revealed this, and I think it's valuable, is, look, it's what we become, uh, Joseph, that's really important. Mm-hmm. Not that we're going to fall down here or there on the way through. I'm sure we're going to do that anyway. Hopefully, as, you know, as less as possible. But, you know... It may seem simple to me now who has done so much internal work and, you know, and got so advanced forward into what I should be doing, you know, and I'm privileged to be doing now. But, of course, it is possible because I've done it, all right, you know, and, uh, you know, if I can do it, other people can do it. It's, it's, it's really the facts of it, Joseph. And, and what's, Anyone and, can and do and it. And what's so compelling is that when you experience time in custody, you know, you experience the harshest of harshest custody, okay? So category A, I understand what that is. And you had um, four years or five years practically in solitary confinement with guards who would provoke you, who would do horrible things and put you through, you know, depths of hell that you could never imagine, right? Absolutely. On my show, we can swear, like just f***ing awful, horrible things, right? People would have no idea. I should call it the seven levels of hell. Right. I mean, this is beyond what people could imagine. You, you know, and you know, and I have to say, this is the thing. This is another part of it. You know, I see them break people a lot tougher and bigger than me. Right. Every day of the week in there. Right. Be sure about that. But for me, there was just a, something in me where I just wouldn't let go of that last part of me. And it was what made me survive. Not saying it was the right way. I would definitely say to do it a different way, but it still got me here. This is the yes. human spirit. You, you um, hung Joseph, on we're to, you know, about I, I, you know, in your podcast, you said anger drove you, but, but there was a degree of spirituality with you that kept you going Absolutely. and strength about going forward in life, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what's so interesting is now when you come out of this, you look back at what that was, and it's a history that has built... Uh, you to where you are now and i think it's an incredible you know going forward not that i should give you any ideas about additional things to do at the foundation but you know i think it's important to educate our society the public and government 
that this is not the way to treat every individual or even those who we deem to be so dangerous that we need a better way to deal with people because offenders are people and they come from a place where they needed help and they didn't get it. And you have such a wealth of information on that. Look, I'm a real advocate uh, like you, Joseph, of this. You know, it warms my heart because, you know, there's a higher mind yes. than this would be put to these, to these topics and these issues. And a good dash of bravery as well, you know, I may say. But these people are the pioneers of the future. And this is the way that we have to go anyway as a developing species. So maybe we get there sooner, right? You right. know, jump in and start tackling these problems. Right. And, right? And, and, and no, but this is, this is what I would say. I'll be for wise people, you know, for wise people. And what's great about your approach is this enlightened progressive approach is that, you know, we have to, as a society, which, you know, we've talked about on our show a number of times and, and you're talking about in your podcast. And, and I think I was watching a very great podcast with you on Second Chance in the UK. Uh, it aired, I think, January 2021. And, you know... It's Raphael very, Rowe. Yeah, Raphael. A great podcast. And of course, and he tours uh, prisons all the way around the world now, Netflix. Ah, I got to watch it. Rowe. I got to watch it. But, but what's second great... Second season. There's a lot of... I'm going to move, gonna move away from the stuff. food shows that we watch. Yeah. Forget. <laughs> feed Phil. I'm going to go to this <laughs> one. But, you know, what it's about is how we have to have a more progressive way about dealing with people. And you judge a society by how we judge our offenders and we treat them with civility. And this is such, it was such a great element that came out in that podcast with you. And I just think you have so much to contribute that way to how we form policies. And I hope, I hope you can go on and contribute as you are now because it's, it's really wonderful to help us move forward, I think, as a society. Well, that's so wise what you've just said. They just packaged it right there. Well, know? I do have gray hair. Well, you know, but how we're being judged is not in the best of times, but in the, the worst, worst of, of times. How we, yeah. The worst of times, right? And the how, we, how, we, how we're working with that. It's just, you know, something to really, you know, and I really agree. I mean, I'm certainly open. Yeah. You know, we keep chipping away at this problem and working with any, you know, any progressive bodies towards towards these solutions one of the interesting things is while watching your podcast some of the uh, really uh cool episodes if you put it that way is because people always want it, they love true crime and all this stuff you talk about some of the people you got to know in prison hmm. and uh, and then you did a, a review of the film bronson because you were you got to know charlie bronson who's quite well yeah. known in the uk charlie yeah. and uh and at one point you gave an anecdote of some crazy story that he told you something like that but I think, you know, especially if you're in solitary or like high security wings and stuff, you have each other to talk to all the time. And, and I've heard some amazing stories about the real depth of somebody's persona that the public would never imagine exists there. Yeah. Did you find like, was there some comfort in being able to talk to other inmates or was it just, did you find it was just always like aggressive or competitive or? No, there always is, you know, and this, it's like, you know, there's a, uh, there's a bond and adversity, great yes. adversity. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, if we were sold as a... a, a like in the trenches. Yeah, trenches yeah. in the war, you yeah. know, it's all against us, you know, we better band together. And But this, you know, we get right down to the human, human part here that is really important, and I keep going back to that, it's the human spirit. And I think it's important to, to know no matter how bad or, you know, wherever we are with that, this can still be shaped for better things, guys, right? Did you ever... If we really yeah. get down to it. So and and, and a human element, even with these yeah. other people there, there is a need to get through this and have companionship, right? And that's what we need. We need a better understanding of how to help people feel that support.
Yeah. Did you yeah. ever tell any of the other inmates about the monkey puzzle tree while you were there? <sighs> I love that. That, that, that You know, yeah. this quote that you have from the book uh, that, that we read, you know, I thought it was very... Uh, you know, because it was a source of strength for you. Did yeah. you did you ever share that with anybody, or was that just your own thing? To in a way, I was too busy surviving. Yeah, yeah. You know, really. Yeah, yeah. You're in a but, difficult situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But going back, I mean, I started my writing journey there, which is part of it, because you know they would only give us a paper and a pen, and you know that. And was off it. you went, and you started yeah. writing. Yeah. So this was the start, and again, it's the human spirit. But look, I have to say with you guys, you know, I've got so much admiration for what you do, really. Because you're battling against, you know, something really admirable, and in many ways it's stacked against you. But for me and the people that are doing that, these are always the true heroes of the piece. But right. we, but, but you know, we not only do we deal with people who are charged, and 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 we work a lot with about wrongful accusations, but we also care for those who are maybe rightfully accused and rightfully in in jail. But we want humanity for them. We want to see a way to get to the nub of what happens. And, and your journey as a child really resonated with me because a long time ago, I had a client who, it still haunts me till today, who went through 21 foster homes. And had there been some stability, some support, some fucking thinking about how to deal with this nine-year-old child, which was the same in my case, he might not have been where he wound up. And we have to do better as a society with better government policies and better intervention to identify children at risk and families at risk and help them when they need it, not when it's too late. And thank God you had the strength to move forward, but not everybody does. No, 100%. You and know, you did. Yeah. You, uh, you know, you're you touching another point, and I'm just going to say it's important. I'll say, you know, I'm not advocating that there shouldn't be a protective apparatus for society. Of course. Where people were not saying that, right? But, you know, you went straight to the heart of it again, Joseph, is that, yeah, the people who need to be accountable for their actions, they need to they need to pay for, you know, whatever they've been convicted by, by the courts, that there needs to be a different, different handling of that. So when the bridge comes on the way out, we can stop the same mad cycle happening. And this has to be, you know, the solution. So just to clarify that, I'm 100%. Of the same yeah, thinking. And, and I commend, and I, I love what your foundation is going to do. And I think when you, when I read what it was going to do and about, you know, trying to identify children at risk and, and single families at risk, I think you got it right on the nose. And I wish you the best of luck with it. And I think that's the right way to go. And I want to hear more from this in the future from you. And it's been a delight to meet you. It's a delight to meet you Thank too. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, like, really? Welcome to cold Toronto. Yeah. No, I'm having a great time here, by the way. I, you know, I love the Canadian people. I love uh, the city of Toronto, and we will be back. And and, uh, and if you have time, very welcome go have us. some good Italian food on Eglinton. Where what's that? Seven numbers. It's great Italian if you like Italian. Yeah, yeah. And I demand, you. I demand some, right some Italian food. <laughs> no worries. Thank, thank you. you. And thank and you for uh, and, me. and as you, I, I really highly recommend Stephen Gillen's this book. It's really touching, and it gives a great uh, you know insight into what it is in his life, but you know what it would be for. Anybody traveling through the uh, system of a criminal justice and being in jail, The Monkey Puzzle Tree, it's a great read, and thank you so much. It's been a delight. And you have a website as well, Stephen Thank you so Gillen. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about the Stephen, website and the YouTube yeah, channel. StephenGillen.com. Yeah, uh, Stephen with a P-H, Gillen, E-N, 
youtube.com there's a lot of you know and your youtube channel and your the YouTube, yeah, the youtube channels there as well that's another medium you know where we're trying to get the messaging out there uh, there's a lot of stuff i'm you know had a lot of press and everything else in the uk so there's a lot of interesting stories you know uh top level broadcasting platforms on there well there's more content Everybody go same. to it. Yeah. All our viewers, thank same. you very much. And, and But please go to this. It's really a great education and a great insight. So it, it, it's wonderful. I highly recommend it, please. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good night. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you.